Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the December issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Valuing Cornstalk Bales. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by two of the co-authors, Ben Beckman and also Jenny Reese, both Nebraska Extension educators. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Aaron. Yeah, thanks for having us. Brad, Jenny, as we look at the state and we look at drought conditions that are impacting not only Nebraska, but also many states to the north and west of us, this is driving forage prices to some levels we haven't seen in quite a while and also is bringing up the potential or for many people considering the possibility of baling corn stalks as another forage resource. Share with us some things that need to be thought through if you're considering baling corn stalks and using that. And then what are some long-term impacts of making that kind of decision? Aaron, I, I think we kind of have a perfect storm this year, and I'll let Jenny maybe talk a little bit more on the cropping side, um, some of the considerations, but we're really facing really high input costs from our cropping systems side, and what we're removing in terms of nutrients um, is going to be really impactful for our production next year and, and having to replace those from you know, the crop side. But at the same point, like you just you know pointed out here, we've got some really dry conditions. Um, we've had you know reduced hay production, and we've had you know a, a lot of hay going west to um, help alleviate some of those drought conditions. And so uh, that price of that feed stuff is um, you know astronomically high as well. And so we really have to sit down and, and put pencil to paper right now and um, consider what costs we're going to occur um, when we're looking at bailing up corn residues and then um, what value that could possibly add to our operation um, and then consider you know the time factor of, of all this too um, you know is this a, a situation where um, we're going to have to kind of stop the bleeding really quick here and, and use it for a short term or is this something that um, you know we can do long term and actually maintain and, and that's something that each operation is going to have to look at individually. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree, Ben. From the cropping perspective, we get quite a bit of mixed reviews when we talk about this topic. And yet, I would say we're blessed in the state with good crop ground and with also with a livestock sector that can utilize um, our residue. A question I get from our crop producers a lot of time is around residue management. So, there are ways that we can do this and, and do this in a sustainable way. We're blessed with the research we have from USDA ARS that's being conducted at Clay Center at South Central Ag Lab. And so some of that research basically shows that for every 40 bushels of corn that's produced, we produce one ton of corn residue. And within that corn residue, that one ton of corn residue, it contains 17 pounds of nitrogen, four pounds of phosphorus, 37 pounds of potassium, and three pounds of sulfur. And so just uh, doing some quick math on today's fertilizer prices, which are continually increasing as well, there could be up to $34 a ton worth of nutrients for every ton of residue that's removed. But at the same time, we're also blessed in Nebraska with soils that are high in potassium. So we wouldn't say that those have to be replaced. The potassium nutrients wouldn't have to be replaced on a lot of our crop ground. And also from our research, especially at Clay Center, what they've found is that by removing residue, it changes that carbon to nitrogen ratio on that field. 
which can allow for more mineralization. And so they're always testing things to the extreme, and we wouldn't recommend this for our producers, but they test it to the extreme so that they have the recommendations that would be safe for producers to consider. And what they found is when they removed residue eight years in a row, and this is a lot of residue, up to 60%, and then they did not replace the nitrogen that was removed from that residue. So they basically had a net negative nitrogen balance. They still had increased yields every single one of those eight years. So it was suggesting that that carbon nit nitrogen ratio being changed was allowing for more mineralization. And so that's another thing to consider with high nitrogen prices that perhaps our producers wouldn't have to replace all that nitrogen either. So putting that in perspective, um, I looked at the Nebraska-Iowa hay summaries. Right now, large round bales are going, for cornstalk bales, going for $60 a ton and $100 per ton ground. And just putting that in perspective of up to $35, $34 a ton worth of nutrients, which not all those nutrients would have to be replaced. And then another $20 to $25 per labor equipment costs and also considering transportation. Those are some numbers that, that producers can work out as to that value for themselves. Then as we look at the value of corn stock bales, as we're thinking about a nutrient value for feeding, how do most of these bales look in terms of quality, in terms of what would that compare to like a brome hay, alfalfa hay, prairie hay, how would it compare? You know, Aaron, the, the, answer that we're always going to give to that is, um, you need to go out and do some testing. Um, you know, the only true way that we can really know what value we have in the feed stuff is to pull a sample, send it off to a lab and, and get that analysis done. Um, so that's always going to be our first recommendation because, um, we do have the potential to have some, uh, fairly high quality, uh, you know, forage in, um, crop residues. Uh, when we look at what we can get, we can get up to 5% crude protein value. A lot of times in these bales, you know, we can get up to 45% TDN. Well, that may not be fully meeting, you know, a, a late gestation or a lactating cows demands. We're getting pretty close on a, a lot of our dry cows with that. So we have a really great opportunity there. Now, um, depending on how we harvested these, you know, bales and how we're feeding them out, you know, we could have a pretty large swings in, you know, what those actual values are. If we were raking up a lot of dirt, if there was some weathering to the, to the residue before we actually got it put up. So um, we always need to, to go out and test ahead of time, but we have a great opportunity there. And so um, we really need to look at how we can work those into possibly, you know, a ration and um, what the value that might be. In this article, we sat down and we did some calculations and, and basically put a value on how much uh, we could replace in a ration by introducing some cornstalk uh, bales into that ration. Just a really basic uh, distiller's grain and, and a mixed brome alfalfa hay ration. And if we took out a portion of that and um, put cornstalks into it, we could be saving up to $117 per ton from the feed value side of things. Now, everyone's ration is going to be a little bit different in um, how we're going to balance those, but it's uh, it's something that if we can sit down and put some numbers to, uh, there's a real opportunity, even though, um, like Jenny said, we've got some um, costs that we really need to consider if we're 
buying those bales or, or even pulling them off of our fields. We need to make sure that we're, um, you know, giving those costs back to us. But uh, we do have an opportunity with the high price of feedstuffs right now to, to really save some money when it looks at um, replacing some higher uh, cost feedstuffs in our rations. One of the things I think you did in the article is really list out some of the economics, thinking about the cost, the value that need to be considered. And one of the things that's in there is if you're going to be using corn stock bales, most likely then you need to be grinding that just because of the size of the stock and also the cob that you're going to get into the bale. I think along with that goes waste. How much waste am I going to have in using a corn stock bale versus using something like a prairie hay, grass hay? So all of those factors need to be considered as we're getting to what does it actually cost me to get the energy protein into the cow and just also just think about waste loss that goes along with that. that that's definitely a great point, Aaron. And we really did a, a fairly simple calculation from the, the feeding side of things to, to put a value to that. But like you said, the, the cost of grinding, the, the cost of, you know, trucking bales um, and, and transport that waste all needs to be calculated in there for us to get a, a really uh, true value of how much we can be saving. Um, that being said, I, again, I think with the high cost of some of our other feedstuffs, there is some opportunity this year to possibly um, save some money and, and utilize a readily available resource that we have in the state. One of the things you mentioned in the article, if we are baling corn stock residue, there's a lot of value of coming back and applying animal manure as a way to replace those nutrients and have some benefit. Share a little more about the work that's been done there and how we might think about that, especially as we move into the winter here when is often a prime time for applying manure on crop fields. Yeah, that's applying manure or adding a cover crop. They're considered amelioration practices, meaning just ways to allow for um, more organic matter and also for reducing erosion for soil and wind on those fields. What they found at South Central Ag Lab is that adding the manure actually increased yields as well after, after residue was removed. The cover crop itself did not increase yields, but the adding of the manure increased the yields in their research. Speaking of fields and thinking about where we might consider baling corn stock residue, what are some guidelines or things to think through? Here's a field that would be a good candidate, or here's one that we'd recommend you probably not bale corn stock residue on? Yeah, that's a great point, Erin, because not every field is a good candidate for baling corn stocks. So based on the research, some big things to consider are fields without slopes that are greater than 5%, or at least not baling in the areas that have slopes that are greater than 5%, because ultimately we want to reduce wind and water erosion from these fields. Also having yields at least 180 bushels an acre. And the reason for that again is because with every 40 bushels per acre, there's one ton of residue that's produced. And we wanna leave at least 2.4 tons of residue. So just giving you a quick example, for a field that yields 200 bushels an acre, um, that produces around five tons of residue. And so if you removed half of it, that leaves you at 2.5 tons of residue. So it's right around that area of how much residue we'd wanna leave on that field. We'd recommend using reduced tillage after removing residue. So reduced tillage such as no-till or strip-till. 
And it allows producers to have that opportunity to even maybe convert to those practices. Two other really important things are we're not recommending to utilize those corn stalks every year. If a producer is in a corn-on-corn system, we'd recommend harvesting those corn stalks every other year. And if that producer is in a corn-soybean system, we'd recommend once every four years. The other thing I'd mention, Erin, is we've all seen different fields where corn residue has been removed. There are equipment settings for every brand of equipment that allows a producer to make that work better for bailing up corn stalks compared to settings that you would have in a hay field. So I just recommend that producers talk to their equipment dealers regarding that because there are ways to do this without leaving a field looking really bare. I think that's a great point, Jenny, and one I was even going to have you and Ben weigh in on. If we're identifying a field that we want to remove residue from, we don't necessarily have to remove residue uniformly across the whole field. Yeah, that's right. I'm even seeing some fields where they're leaving they're leaving the residue along the edges out to a certain area so that they've kind of got a snow fence to catch snow. So it's not going to keep blowing over the roads and, and so forth. Or if they have hills, they're avoiding the hills. They're just doing the low areas. So that's you're exactly right, Erin. It doesn't have to be the whole field. Jenny, Ben, anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight as we point towards wrapping this up? I guess one thing that I would add to this, Erin, is that as we look at utilizing crop residues, um, I, I always urge folks to consider the, the grazing side as well. You know, baling and, and moving off of crop residues is a, a you know, great option and um, something that can really fill in some gaps, like we said, in developing a ration. But if we don't have to take that time and labor um, and that wear and tear on equipment, we can have the cow harvest things for us, um, you know, spread manure for us across the field instead of having to collect and spread it out later. Um, you know, that's just saving more um, on our side. So anytime that we can look at grazing those residues um, as well is something that we should always keep into consideration when we're looking at utilizing crop residues. Yeah, that's absolutely a great point, Ben. And just a plug for the residue exchange where it allows producers, livestock producers and crop producers to be able to connect whether they have stocks to graze, stocks for baling, or cover crop acres. So that's another resource for both our livestock and our crop producers to connect. Jenny, Ben, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, Valuing Corn Stock Bales.